Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Amanda Wittenborn. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. In this episode, Amanda is going to share her small business journey, how she launched and grew her creative products business, and how she has successfully adjusted it during uh, these current COVID-19 crisis and, and how she's come through that. So we're going to chat about all of that. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page and to schedule a free coaching consultation with me, just text the word biz, B-I-Z to 31996. Let me tell you a little bit more about Amanda. Amanda Wittenborn is a small business owner and a graphic designer with a passion for parties she enjoys turning every day into a celebration with her husband and three boys and relishes any reason to decorate and have fun with family, friends, and neighbors. This love of festivity led her to start Amanda Creations Incorporating, Incorporated rather, to share her talent with the world. Amanda lives in the Chicago area. So once again, Amanda Wittenborn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, looking forward to this. I'm always uh, very interested to hear about these types of stories. You know, these are the types of a business that, businesses that America, uh, certainly American small businesses is made of. So I'm looking forward to this conversation and having you share your experiences. And I want to start back, uh, if I got it right, you studied, you got a degree in music in school, did you not? I did. Yeah, I have my degree in vocal choral music education. Interesting. And so what was the aspiration back then? Back then, I wanted to be a choral music director. I wanted to be a teacher. And so did you end up doing that or what happened after college? I mean, sort of did. Um, after college, I, I had a hard time finding a teaching job. Um, music is harder to get into and it was harder to find a teaching job. Um, one that I was interested in, there were elementary music teacher positions open, but I didn't feel that that was really the best fit for me. And so I started to teach private piano lessons and private voice lessons out of college. I see. And so then how did you get into graphic design? That came much later. Um, that actually started after I had my first son. It actually started after we took our first trip to Disney. He was about three years old and I mm. came home with about 400 photos. <laughs> and... I was a scrapbooker at the time and that was just scrapbook overload. And I thought, oh man, how am I going to do 400 photos? And I happened upon um, digital scrapbooking. And that really was what got me started in all of it is that I learned how to scrapbook on the computer, which made for very thin scrapbooks rather than the big thick ones that I was used to creating. And um, after looking and buying kits for digital scrapbooking, I, I actually started to design my own uh, to fit my photos. And so that's really where the design part of it came from. But more than anything else, I've been artistic and creative my whole life. Mm -hmm. So um, I've just, I've always been very creative, always been into art, you know, excellent at drawing and coloring and painting and all of that stuff. So this was just kind of a natural fit for me. Um, just to take it to the computer. And I think what made it work so well was I had a young kid and it was a lot quicker than traditional art 
it just moves a lot faster on the computer and time is of the essence. So yeah, that's what really got me started. And then when did you, when did you figure out this could be a business? Well, it started by selling my digital scrapbooking kits. Um, and so I started selling those in different digital scrapbooking stores around the web. And I was using my scrapbooking kits and all my design skills that I had gathered to create really fun parties for my kids. So I was making their invitations. I was making fun candy bar wrappers and banners and decorations to coordinate. Um, And of course it was all made by me. So it was really unique and friends would come to the parties and they go, where did you get this? Well, I made it. And then, you know, of course a couple of them were like, well, could you do it for me? So I did. And then somebody was like, you should sell this. And I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to buy this, Hmm. Um, but I gave it a try. So I would say that was probably about six years ago or so, six or seven years ago that like, okay, I'll, I'll try and sell some of these party supplies and see what happens. And back then it was digital downloads for party supplies. So Hmm. the candy bar wrappers would come as a file that the customer could print and then cut out and wrap the candy bars themselves. And as time went on and I grew to talk to my customer base and those people that were buying from me, it became really apparent that moms just didn't have the time or the technical skill to worry about downloading all their products and printing them out themselves and cutting them out themselves, that they really just wanted them done and delivered on their doorstep. And that was what made me want to create a product that was ready to go. Mm -hmm. And so about five years ago, I switched from digital downloads to physical product. And uh, it's really just taken off since then. And so when would you say it shifted from a hobby that made you a little bit of money to a legitimate business? That was probably when I made the switch to physical products about five years ago. That, That was very much this is a real thing because now we're, we're holding inventory. We have to, you know, plan for things where it's digital there, you know, there was nothing to worry about. Right. I just put it up in my store and it could be downloaded unlimited times. Um, the product cost itself was zero right. and you know, the yeah, price completely different business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it absolutely was, but you know, it was like a side income. And the physical product, my goal initially with, with it was to grow it big enough so my husband could quit his job. Okay. So you, you had that as a goal once you made this shift and realized, yeah. okay, this is a business. We're going to have a go at it. Yes. Uh, how long before you did get to the point where he was able to quit his job? Um, he quit his job two years ago now. Okay. All right. So about three years into yep. this shift. Okay. Yep. But going back, uh, Did you ever think before that, that you would own a business, that you would be your own boss? I've always been my own boss. So that's just always been in my nature. Um, Did I ever think I would own a business as big as this one? I think I had hoped for it. Uh, I don't know that I ever knew how I was going to make it happen, but I just kept working towards it. Um, I definitely wanted to have my husband not working for corporate America and part of a business. So I've never actually had a real job. Right. You were, you were doing piano uh, tutoring and teaching. So you were a solopreneur. 
Yep. That, that's a big shift, though, though, when you go from that to a, a business where you might have employees, you may not have employees, you have, you have inventory. So, so now it's more than just you, right? That, yeah. that shift, you grew into that over time, I'm gathering. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started asking my husband for help in ordering inventory because it was taking me too much time. So on the side, while he was still working, he started handling our inventory. He started handling our accounting. I started having a friend help take photos. And then I started having somebody help me get items listed for sale and inventory uh, shipped to warehouses and things like that. So it was definitely step by step, um, but we're still a pretty small team. My husband and I are, you know, the main two people. And then we have, um, I kind of call her my operations manager. She kind of handles everything. She understands the business as well as me and my husband do. And we have a photographer and then we have a handful of moms that help us with hand packaging products and other miscellaneous things that we need help with. Mm-hmm. You said that one of the goals was to get your husband to be able to leave his corporate job. Why was that a desire and a goal? I didn't like that somebody else had a say in our lives. So I didn't like that he was told how many days a year he could have a vacation or how many vacation days he could have. Um, I wanted to have control over our days and be able to do what we wanted when we wanted and just not have to worry about answering to anybody else. Um, it did help that his last boss that he had before he quit was just particularly awful. <laughs> and so <laughs> the more days that he would come home upset, um, I feel like the harder I worked. So that that definitely put a little fire under me um, just because he was not happy. Yeah. Did you have entrepreneurial or small businesses influence in your life and your family when you when you think back to what, what was it that instilled this in you? I didn't. Um, I think I was just born this way, to be honest with you. Uh, I remember very long time ago, I must have been maybe eight or nine. And there was a lady on our block who taught piano lessons and she needed somebody to watch um, her grandson, who was a baby, while she taught piano lessons and... <laughs> I don't know how my mom got me hooked up with this, but she's like, you can go after school and watch this baby. She's willing to pay a dollar an hour. And I distinctly remember saying, there's no way I would do it for less than $2 an hour. (laughs) So um, I've just always been that way. Uh, You know, I remember back in college, I started teaching piano lessons because my option was to get a few piano students who would pay me $15 for a half hour lesson or to go get a campus job, which at that time probably paid eight dollars, six to eight dollars an hour, and I just thought, how can I, how can I use an entire hour of my time for only eight dollars when I could go teach two piano students and make thirty? Yeah. So yeah. I've just always, I've always tried to find a way to get more out of my time. Yeah, you've been doing that math in your head for a long time. A long time. Did did your husband have that same kind of thought or did it take him some time to to see that the corporate path wasn't the way to go for all of the reasons you articulated? I think he's always felt that, you know, there's some things that aren't 
aren't really working in corporate America. And I think it bothered him a lot. Um, he's a very smart man and it would frustrate him to no end to see something being done completely wrong and to know that there's a better way to do it, but the politics of corporate America get in the way of making something be successful. It just drove him crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. You mentioned on your website that Lush is one of uh, your favorite brands. Why is that? <laughs> I know, that's so fun. Um, their products are just so fun. They're colorful. Uh, they smell amazing. And I love that it's all handmade and, you know, it's um, sustainable. You know, they, they take care in where their items come from, where they're sourcing things. And they're not putting any of those bad ingredients in it. So to be able to make such an amazing product without anything harsh or chemicals or anything like that, and the causes that they give back to just makes it a really great brand. But when it really comes down to it, it's just so fun. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and they've done such a great job as they've grown to, to keep that experience when you walk into their shops, which seem to be everywhere now. My, my daughter, McKenna, is a huge fan of theirs. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the smell is a little too strong for me, so I may stay outside, but she she's a fanatic as well. Oh, yeah, it's um, great. Yeah. All right, good stuff. So you we've touched on it, but let, let's clearly define the products that you are selling now. Kind of give me a summary of that so we understand as we continue here in the conversation. Yeah, so we're a party supply company, and we sell invitations for any kind of celebration that you want to have. Uh, birthdays, kids' birthdays tend to be one of our strongest items. Um, I think it's just because I'm really good at figuring out what kid, kids want. Uh, and then we sell all sorts of items that coordinate with your invitations, like stickers for goodie bags, um, mini candy bar wrappers, water bottle wrappers, stickers that go on the bottom of Hershey Kisses, favors, games, things like that. Um, everything is a paper product that we do and everything we sell has been designed by me. And, and typically, just, I'm just looking for a range when somebody orders stuff from you for a party, how much are they spending more or less? I would say under 50. Okay, all right. So something in that range to, to buy all the things they want for this party that they're gonna have. Yep. And they're all paper products. It's all now the, you print it and ship it to them. It's not anymore the download where they print or is that still on, in your catalog? No, that's correct. Everything okay. that we do is printed and shipped and ready to go for the got customer. It. Going back to when it was the digital scrapbooking, when you got started with it, it, it and you, I think you explained it, but I want to go back to how did you initially develop that following? That's such a challenge uh, for people who are thinking about starting a similar businesses, your, your immediate circle of friends and family might tell you it's fantastic, but then you're a needle in a haystack, right? To yeah. get found. Let's go back to how a bit about how you were able to get found by a wider audience. Yeah. Back then um, it was Etsy. So when I first started selling the party supplies, I opened an Etsy store and that is the majority of where sales would come from. Um, I gained a lot of Facebook fans that way, uh, used it to grow my email list. Pinterest was huge back then for me. Posting uh, pictures of the products on Pinterest was the number one way to drive traffic to my website because what we do is very visual. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good social media channel for us. Um, 
and it really kind of just grew that way by being found on Pinterest, by being found on Etsy. Now you have since shifted to your own website, right? Yes. About how long before you, you, you left the Etsy platform and, and launched your own website, roughly speaking, do you recall? I did have my website going at the same time. You did, but it was and informational and it was about kind of uh, building your list and that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was still mainly digital scrapbook product related. So, okay. you know, it's part of our growing pains was the, the morphing of this business multiple times to mm-hmm. get the right target audience. Um, so that has kind of been one of our ongoing struggles throughout the time is that we've shifted from digital scrapbooking to printable party supplies now to physical party supplies. And we've added the stationery since COVID has hit. So um, we've had multiple website redesigns to try and make it so that when you land on that website, you know what you're there for and you know what you're getting. So since then, the digital scrapbooking, I had to give that up. Um, So that's no longer on the website. The digital products are no longer on the website. And now when you land on the website, you find the physical products and, and we're starting to get to where you know what you came there for. Right. It's interesting, you know, as you described that, this whole challenge with COVID has highlighted what what I have come to believe is just what's required of us as business owners and entrepreneurs. The thought that, in other words, if you go into business thinking, I'm going to come up with an idea and that's just what I'm going to do for the next 10 years, is just unrealistic, right? And you, you've just laid it out that the reality is that we have to continue to shift and adjust. Sometimes because, as you said, you're finding your market and sometimes because something like COVID happens, right? Absolutely. If we would have held hard and fast to we are a party company and that's all we do, we would probably not still be in business right yeah, now today. Yeah, and that's such a huge takeaway, I think. Okay, so uh, Etsy and Pinterest initially, uh, today from a social media platform, what what's your favorite at this point for generating opportunities? Facebook seems to be working the best for us right now. And again, that's a, it's a moving target is what I find, right? I mean, you have to continue to look at what's working currently. Yeah. And there's definitely room for us to grow on Pinterest and Instagram. Um, Unfortunately, I am not of the millennial uh, age, so I don't have a a real great understanding of Instagram and how it works. So Mm -hmm. I need to get somebody on my team that really knows how to work that platform. Yeah. Well, Um, now it's TikTok. (laughs) Well, that's, that's the challenge, right? (laughs) Is staying up to speed, but, but your demographic, if I'm following, isn't necessarily the teens or early twenties, it's moms or am I missing something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Facebook seems to be where they're hanging out. Facebook is where they still are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pinterest is also a really good, um, absolutely a good source for us, but Pinterest has changed a lot from those early days. Um, I, I have a hard time generating any kind of traction on Pinterest now where when Pinterest first launched, it was an excellent platform for us. I mean, we would get hundreds and hundreds of repins. Um, now I'm lucky if a pin is even being seen. So and why is that in your, in your, I opinion? think because it's grown as a platform mm-hmm. and they're leveraging 
offering advertising and things like that, you're just competing against so many people. Yeah. Whereas when it first started, I remember being one of the only friends of mine that actually had Pinterest because it was invite only and you had to wait for your invite. Yeah. I love telling people like, I remember when Pinterest didn't exist, (laughs) you know? Yeah. This is what happens to a lot of the platforms. and, and, And that's why TikTok is so hot right now because it hasn't gotten to that point. And so the algorithm hasn't gotten to the point where it's focused on monetizing it for them, which is what has happened to a lot of the platforms. It's understandable, right? They got to make money Absolutely. at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, so you talked a little bit about the shifting market. Um, so and we talked about, about sources of, but let's talk about now this shift that you had to face with COVID-19 and then we'll come back to some of the other fundamentals, but yeah. tell us about that. Ob- what's obvious for anybody who's listening so far is you were focusing on party invitations and parties uh, kind of put on hold for a while. Yeah. Parties kind of got canceled, didn't they? Yeah. So uh, we basically lost 95% of our sales overnight. Wow. Um, we were a party company. We only had party supplies. And so when people were not able to throw parties, when, you know, we were officially in quarantine and not allowed to gather in groups of 10 or more, Uh, nobody needed them. And not only did no one need invitations, everybody started returning the ones they had just bought. So uh, it was, it was a scary time. Um, Not only for pandemic reasons, but looking at the business is our only source of income. Uh, It's how we put food on the table. It's how we pay our mortgage. I mean, it's how my husband and I get paid. So I think I did what everybody did and curled up on the couch for a couple weeks and watched Tiger King. (laughs) But all the while I was, the, the mind was churning, you know, I was mad. Um, I was mad. I didn't have a pandemic proof business. I was mad that we sold something that was so non-essential that it could just be gone overnight. And I really just kept thinking, what is it that right now in the middle of this crisis that I could still provide? What, can I still make using my creativity, my talents, the things I'm good at that might still be of benefit to people even now when we're in the middle of this, you know, never before seen chaos. And the first thing I came up with was change of plans cards. Because now you're going to have all these events that have been planned for months that need to be canceled. And so I designed a set of change of plans postcards and I put it out on Facebook and showed some friends. And I had this really cute one that um, had like a little toilet paper emoji and a little poop emoji. (laughs) And it said, this stinks, but we're rolling with it. Mm. And a teacher friend of mine said, this would be hilarious just to send to my students. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's a really great idea. I'll make some, some postcards for teachers to send to their students. And so that's what I did. Um, I made a really adorable set of six and I put it up for sale on Amazon. And typically we order a handful, you know, 20 or so of a product to just try it out and see how it goes. So that's what I did. And we put it up for sale and I think it was within five days and we had sold like wow. 600 of them. Wow. Um, so we were right in the market with a product that there was a need for right at the right time. 
and they just took off like crazy. And you had, I have to think at, at this point with this hit, you must have had a pretty good sizable following, mailing list, Facebook likes. So you had an audience to immediately tap into and offer this to? Yes and no. Um, my audience def- didn't necessarily contain a lot of teachers. Um, I happened to be friends with a lot of teachers because of my education background. So it was more on my personal profile that I had posted uh, the teacher postcards and and it was getting shared like crazy. So not even from the business side of it, but just personally. And I had people reaching out to me asking if I had some that said I miss my students. And I had purposely avoided making anything that I thought might be temporary, right. you know, because we didn't know how long it was going to last. Sure. But after being asked so many times, I ended up making a whole set of mm-hmm. postcards that they all had some sort of miss you pun. So um, one had a pig and it said, I miss you pig time. <laughs> um, jelly beans. I've, I've been missing my students. So it was a whole set like that. And that quickly took off as well. Uh, and mostly both of these were on Amazon within four days. Uh, the, the first set was number one in the postcard category on Amazon. This is Henry Lopez with a brief interruption to introduce you to our new show sponsor, Fredos, an online international freight marketplace. So much is unpredictable right now, but our sponsor, Fredos.com, is making the world of freight shipping logistics a little smoother in these challenging times. Fredos.com brings thousands of importers and exporters together in an online marketplace, giving you the freedom to move between providers. You just say the what, where, and when, and the Fredos algorithm will find the right route, provider, and price quote for all of your ocean, air, or trucking shipments. I am particularly impressed by how easy the online platform is to use. The result? Confidence in your pricing, reliable service, and peace of mind. On Fredos.com, you can compare, book, and manage your shipments all in one place. With thousands of importers and exporters on one platform, booking on Fredos.com delivers bulk buying power that's typically reserved for high-volume importers. Plus, more logistic providers competing for business means lower cost and better service. Fredos.com helps small business importers get competitive and fair access to freight shipping logistic providers in the world's largest digital freight platform. As a special offer for the Howa business listeners, Freitos will take $100 off your first booking over $1,000. Go to freitos.com forward slash business and use the coupon code FREIGHTPODCAST. That's F-R, the number eight podcast to try Freitos for your business. So uh, just curious, because you, you alluded to it, how long from idea to it's available for sale, typically? Uh, well, typically about three weeks Okay. from the time that I've designed it to the time it gets printed and shipped and is, is ready for purchase. You use a printer in the U.S., close to I you, do. somebody you have a relationship with, I suspect? Yes, we okay. use a local printer, a local print shop. Got it. Oh, so that's not too bad. A three weeks here. Okay. I want to go back for a second. As you mentioned, this was your source of income. So did you apply and get any of the PPP or EIDL money? What, I'm just curious as to what you're doing there. Okay. Yeah, we did just um, because everything was so uncertain. I did apply for the paycheck protection. Um, my husband and I are paid through payroll, which I was so thankful for that we had set up our business in that way at that time. So we were able to get um, 
you know, two and a half months of mm-hmm. payroll. And we do have an office as well. So we're able to cover the office expense and, and cover all that. Good. Did you have, looking back at it now, sufficient working capital as well? Or would it have been, would it have been potentially catastrophic without the PPP loan? We did have enough in our accounts that I felt like we could comfortably make it three or four months. After that, I was, I was going to be worried. Okay, so, but that's pretty darn good for a small business, right? I mean, that's yeah. what this has exposed is that the vast majority of small businesses do not have enough working capital to get them through a surprise like this. Yeah, but I was mad, you know, I was mad that we only were. had three to four months. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Um, so I, we've, we're touching on it here, but what do you think you've learned from this challenge as it relates to your business? Yeah. Oh man. So many things, you know, I always, when you're going through it, it doesn't feel good, but I know that when there's big challenges, there's always some huge positive that comes out of it for us. The biggest thing I wanted to financially, get us financially more set. So we've paid off all our debt. Uh, We only have our house payment and some student loans now. So I'm really proud of that. This was before you, before COVID or as a result? No, that's recently. That's kind of like a wake up call. We need to get these things in order. Right. Like get our, get our personal finances in order so that we're, our, our monthly expenses are as low as they possibly can be. So we're there now, which is great. Um, I want to have, you know, six months to a year of expenses saved up in the bank. So we're working on that. Um, business wise, it's, it, it made us um, divert into a whole new market. Yeah. So rather than party supplies, we've added a whole bunch of stationary products and products for small business owners. Um, I just out of curiosity looked the other day because I've just been like head to the ground, like, let's get this. We've got to turn this around. I've created 900 new products since COVID hit (laughs) all in the stationary space. Amazing. So we've branched out into that. And the great thing about that is those items seem to be more stable Mm -hmm. than party supplies. Right. Um, They're more evergreen. They can sell every month. Uh, more people are interested in them. And it's really made my husband and I want to diversify just even more so that mm-hmm. if one thing goes crashing down, we still have a couple other things. So mm-hmm. we're working on that too. So just to be in a position where, not that this would ever happen again, but if anything similar happened or one leg of the table comes out, you know, you have, you have extra legs. Yeah. And you've, you've have developed a confidence that you know how to adjust your business and whatever it is, that's the next challenge. You, you've got this muscle now, you, you know how to go through this process, even as painful as it might be. Yes. Though I will say that this is not the first time I've gone through this painful um, flexing of this muscle and I'm not sure I want to do it many more times. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely trying to find some income source that is just a little, we can count on a little bit more yeah. that is a little less stressful. Cause yeah. as I get older and my kids get older, the stress, it, it wears on you. Sure. Sure. 
But Amanda, you know, here, here is the reality of it. This, this is the challenge for us as small business owners is that it's, it's, it's very difficult to get to that next level where now you might be talking about a, you know, multi-generational business or a business that is on autopilot. There's very few of those is the truth. Okay. Uh, a couple more things. We've talked about it obviously throughout. You're working with your husband. Tell me about that. Uh, how is that dynamic? Was Did it work from day one? I know I, I worked with my wife for the first time when we had the salon business a number of years ago. I've talked about that many times on the show. And it, you know, it got off to a little bit of a rough, rough start. We had to figure it out. So how do you guys make it work? And then in a broader context, how do you balance all this between family, business, being married to the person who's your business partner? How do you make it all work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love my husband so very much. And my husband loves me more than I love him. And that makes it really easy to work together, which is really nice. I wish I could tell you like, oh yeah, we struggle and it's so hard and we had to learn, but honestly, he's my best friend and there's nobody I would rather spend time with. And part of getting him to quit his job was so that I could be with him more. And we really just enjoy each other and we really complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. So the things I'm not so good at are the things that he's good at. Uh, and it, have it, you, have you along those lines, do you, have you delineated who does what primarily or, or for the most part or not? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. He, he handles um, inventory, logistics, accounting. I handle all the creative aspects and marketing. I have found that that is key to, you know, you went into it with a great, very strong relationship. So that, that yeah. helps. But as much as I love my wife, if we didn't have that understanding that you're, you're responsible for this and I'm not going to micromanage you, it still would have created conflict, right? Yeah. Well, I think part of it too is our personality types. Okay. Okay. We are both extremely laid back. I, I just, I don't, have a micromanaging bone in me. I'm like, you just need to do what you need to do. Like even with my kids. And that's probably why our house is always a mess because I tell them that it's their responsibility to pick up after themselves, but I don't follow through. So neither do they, <laughs> um, so but I'm you, just very laid back and easygoing. And so is he. And so when you have that personality and you both do, how has that not resulted in not getting anything done sometimes? Oh, well, I'm very driven. Just because I'm laid back doesn't mean I just let things go to the side. I mean, stuff gets done. Um, I just am not going to ruin a relationship over something that I find trivial. I think I just focus so much on the big picture that little things just don't bother me. I just don't have time to be stressed out over menial things. And so I think it, it helps, you know, yeah. do things get ordered late? Absolutely. But am I going to get upset about it? No, I'm just like, well, it happened. It, it was late this time. You know, we're not surgeons here, right? We're selling okay. party supplies. We're exactly. selling fun and joy. And I've tried to set the business up so that there isn't a lot of pressure that nobody's life is going to be affected if this party supply is out of stock for two days, you know? So exactly. I just, life is meant to be fun. And, you know, why am I doing this if I'm not going to be having fun and enjoying it? So we really just try to spend most of our days laughing as much as we can, joke around a lot. Yes, we have troubles. And yes, balancing e-learning with the kids' home has been a struggle. And yes, we struggle mentally 
just like everybody else's. But I think one of the things that we do better than most is just try to always look at the positive side of things. And even when it's at its worst, we've always used those times to come together rather than to be driven apart by that. Yeah. Well said. Very, very good. I, I love that. And that's such a huge takeaway. I see, I talk to so many small business owners who are just, they just dread it. And I wonder what are you doing to yourself? Right. Right. If we've got this opportunity and we're fortunate to have built a business, it needs to bring us some level of joy. Yeah. Like you said, there are hard days. You went through a lot of them here recently, right? But overall, if there's no joy, if you're not enjoying it, then you got to move on to something else. Right. I, I mean, I'm here to have fun. My motto, seriously, anyone would tell you is if I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it. Yeah. That's kind of how I you measure everything. if this is working for you or not, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Kind of related to that, do you still feel, I mean, I think the answer is obvious here because you're designing all of this, but do you feel still like you get to exercise that creative side of you rather fully in this business? Yeah, it, it is kind of one of my pain points is that sometimes I feel like I'm doing so many other aspects of the business. I don't get as much time to just create that like I want, but on the whole, yes, it's a huge creative outlet for me still. And um, I, I'm just full of ideas and it's almost like an energy on its own. You know, like these ideas are just brewing inside. And if I don't get them out, like they just, they just keep eating away at me until I can sit down at the computer and just like create these things. Like I yeah. just have to make something. So I'm assuming over time, you're going to keep delegating as the business allows those things that don't tap into that side of you. Yeah, I'm absolutely working towards that to find every piece of this business that I do that could be done by somebody else, training them and passing off the work. And we've done that as time has gone on. So I really do act as artistic director, you know, product creation, and then just kind of overseer of all the other little parts of the business that mm -hmm. that happen i tend to do a lot of the communication between the people who run our website um and you know the lady who takes photography or does photography for us we have an ad campaign guy so i tend to be the one that kind of schedules all those people and then just the visionary of the business like where are we yeah. going what are we doing next what's the next product launch we're going to do mm -hmm. So what is next, generally speaking, that you can share with us? Yeah, right now, the one thing that I'm excited about is trying to get some of our products into retail stores. So taking some of these stationary, these new stationary products and pitching it to some stationary stores and seeing if we can get picked up by some of those, because I think it'd be really cool to walk into a local store and see my note card sitting on the Yeah, shelf. no doubt. But that's a big step. Now you're talking about distribution. Now you're talking about producing a lot more inventory. And yep. Got a whole nother layer of, uh, of challenges. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We've, we've touched on the business obviously throughout, but is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to share with us about what you're offering today and, and the, the services and the products that you're sharing that you're, that you're selling rather? Yeah, I think we offer a really nice selection now that anybody who comes to our website could find something that they could use. Um, I have a very sassy sense of humor, 
and I like to input that on a lot of our products. So you can find uh, journals with sassy sayings on the front, coffee mugs. Um, my personal favorites are some of the thank you cards I've designed recently that all incorporate a pun on there in some way. Whether you like puns or not, you can't help but smile when you see <laughs> some of them. So there's just, there's something for everybody. And my main aim with my business is to spread some joy with what we're doing, whether it's a coordinated birthday party with a theme that the child picks and is thrilled that they have that theme for their party, or it's a home product note cards that you can send to a friend or a journal. You know, I want products that are unique out of the ordinary and that they make you smile. And so our store is literally full of that. That's great. That's great. All right. I want to go back to one thing before we, we move on here because I'm confused. You've mentioned Amazon. You've got your website. So are you selling on both platforms? Explain that to me. I sell on my website and then I sell on Amazon as well. Interesting. And that's, that's just a strategy because Amazon lets you get to a whole nother market that may not know about you. It's a different reach. And so that's why you're doing that as well. Yeah. The nice, yeah. The nice thing about Amazon, especially when we we're first starting out is their fulfillment. Yes. So the mm -hmm. fact that they can handle all the fulfillment for us um, was just that's a huge, huge benefit yeah. to us to huge. not, I mean, we started in our house. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't keep the inventory in our house, right? You know, now as we're growing, now we're looking for fulfillment off of Amazon, but as a start, as a starting point, it, it's excellent. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. We'll wrap it up here. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. I think you've got a couple of books in mind you want to recommend. Yeah. One of my favorite books is The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And I think the summary of that is that great achievement is created by very, very small steps forward every day. I love that book. And, and you might well know that he has a teen version of it. And I made my daughter read it in high school and it was very impactful on her. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. I'm, I have a teen here at home too. Yeah. Take a look at it. I think he does a really good job of boiling it down to, to their level. And it, it, it really, it yeah. really helped. Yeah, I, I, I think what really struck me with that book is that a lot of times people will tell me I'm amazing. And I look at it and I'm like, well, I don't really feel amazing. I just feel like I do something every day yeah. that moves me slightly forward. And over five years, yeah, that, I guess that becomes amazing. But on a day-to-day -day basis, it's nothing amazing going on. And the slight edge, I think, really breaks that down that anybody can do something amazing. You just have to work at it every single day. Absolutely. And the, and the thing that the big takeaway, the way it helped my daughter process it is you just have to show up. Showing up is, is a big part of it. So that meant, you know, my expectation for her was show up for class. But when we're in business and what you've been doing is you show up, you show up every day or most days, right? And uh, that's, that's a big yep. part of it. All right, was there another book as well you wanted to recommend? I also like The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And that one, that's a little bit more out there maybe for some people, but that's about manifesting and, you know, drawing those things that you really want into you. And it, I think it might turn some people off because it is a little woo-woo, 
like mm-hmm. I like to call it, about visualizing and vision boards and things like that. But um, it works. And I've had it work many, many times for me. So I'm a firm believer in everything he talks about in that book. Yeah, it is a little woo-woo to me, but I am certainly bought in that what we tell ourselves, the story that we tell ourselves is what uh, it manifests in our lives to a big extent. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. All right, let's 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 uh, wrap it up. Which one thing, Amanda, you want us to take away from this conversation we had? We talked about a lot of, lot of, lot of things, but as it relates to if I'm listening and I'm thinking of starting my own creative products business along that line, what's one thing you want to stick away from what we talked about? Well, along the line of a creative business, my biggest piece of advice would be to make sure you're pricing yourself appropriately. A lot of times handmade business owners do not price for the amount of time and effort and cost of materials that go into what they're making. And we need to flip the mindset on handmade in that it should be triple or quadruple the price that you can find at Walmart because it is handmade and that's why it's worth more. Um, I see a lot of people start a creative business and they're trying to compete with Walmart prices and you're just never going to do that. Um, We are priced higher than everybody in the market. And I believe firmly that that's one of the only reasons we're doing well because we wouldn't be able to afford to run a business if we weren't priced appropriately. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that we didn't have time or I didn't think to ask about those, those things, but it's such a critical point. A lot of times people think I need to go after the mass market or I'm going to compete on price, but that's absolutely the wrong way to go. Yours is a premium product. You've proven that there's a market for that. Correct. And I think that that's the most important thing to know as a creative business owner. As a business owner in general, I would say you need to be flexible. Um, If we weren't flexible, if I would have held fast to we're a party company when COVID hit, I don't think we'd be okay right now. I really don't. So we had to maneuver and we had to start selling something else and we had to go beyond what we said we were as a company and, and expand. And it still fits because like I said, our products are, are meant to spread joy. So whether we're spreading joy through birthday parties or a coffee mug that makes you laugh every morning, it still fits our main narrative. Yeah. Three huge takeaways there. Thank you for articulating it so well. And I had written down that the last point in particular about the joy, you have joy in your business and your focus is to spread joy. And so that's me. That means it's a business that feeds you in so many ways. And that's, that's wonderful. Yes. Tell us where you want us to go online to find out more. You can come check out our website. It's just www.amandacreation.com. There is no S. No S. Singular amandacreation.com. That's right. Wonderful. Amanda, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. I could go on for another hour. Thanks for being so transparent, for sharing for the stories. Uh, uh, I really appreciate you being with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for listening to this episode of the How of Business. My guest today again was Amanda Wittenborn. We release new episodes every Monday morning and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. Or you can just text the word biz, B-I-Z to 31996 and I'll send you the links. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.